Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. All right. Well, today I do want to talk about small groups. And because I want to, I want to help you potentially maybe get off the fence if you're sitting on the fence. Jesus tells us there in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, to love God with everything. But just to say everything wasn't enough. Sometimes what we have to do is parse things down so that we can take some time to reflect, to think, to just work it through in our head, in our soul, so that we understand just where this commitment to Christ needs to go. To be a Christian, as we've learned, and you've heard me teach, and of course you've read and probably know this, but and that is that to be a Christian means to be a Christian in every way, to be following Christ. It's not just a religious identity. It's not just a, something you check off the box, whether you're a Christian, Islam, or, or, or Buddhist, or something else, or just non-affiliated. You know, you just, it's not just a box that we check, but it's a life. And Jesus covers that when he speaks this, to say that that is what a, a Christ follower is, is a person who loves God with all of her heart with all of our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and with our strength, our physical strength, that, that our, what we do with our life, our time, our energy, is something that's fully committed to him. And so small groups allow us the opportunity to walk in that, to walk in that more, okay? And we're not just saying that, you know, to be a part of Valley Community Church, you absolutely have to be a part of a small group. No, 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 no. We don't do that. We don't believe in that. It's not a control thing at all. This is voluntary spirit-led. So we feel like that our calling is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and so that's what this is about. This is helping you be equipped, and I'll explain a little more of that as we get into it. But I wanted to start off with some of the reasons why we may not join a small group. So, and that, that you know, these are, I don't want to use the word excuses, but there I did. I just kind of threw it out there, didn't it? But but I don't want to use that necessarily to, to hurt anybody's feelings or, as again, in a controlling way. But I do want to engage you a little bit. I want to get in there. I wouldn't be your pastor if I didn't challenge some things inside you. So let's look at a few of these reasons why we may not want to join a small group. You don't see the need. Well, I hope to fix that today, all right? Secondly, I'm too busy. You know, life is all about priorities and bearing fruit that lasts. As a Christian, we do have to make that decision. When Jesus said that verse, and he said, love the Lord God with all, what he's saying is that to be a believer means it's a priority, that to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means he's number one in our life. And in order to make sure that he remains number one in our life, you know, being a part of the kingdom of God actively, more than just on the first day of the week, is really, really important. So I ask this question, what are we going to tell Jesus when he asks us about our talents. And of course, he's talking about gold and weight, but it's interesting that it also kind of uh, has that double entendre, you know, the meaning that it also means our, our actual gifting. What are we going to tell God with what we've done with our gifting, what he's given to us, whether it be tangible, uh, you know, physical blessings, gifts that we have, or 
again, what God has placed inside us, our purpose. What are we going to tell him? Because Jesus uses that little parable when he says, now look, this is the way it's going to be. You're going to get to heaven, and you're going to, everybody's been given a measure of faith. Everybody's been given a measure of, of opportunity and impact. And he used, you know, the, 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 the five talents, the three talents, the one talent. And that's how he, he, he showed us. He gave us a wonderful example. And the five man who had five doubled his. The man who had three doubled his. The man who had one did what? He buried it. And the one who buried it was the one who was called out. Because he was saying, look, you knew that I was shrewd, and you knew that, that you were going to take no risk and just hide what I gave you. He said, that's not being a faithful servant. So using that excuse, using that to say, I am just too busy, really is just saying you're too busy for God. You're too busy. You have placed your own personal growth down on the bottom shelf. And I think we all know the truth is that if we don't, if we, if whatever we give attention to is what will grow. True. And last week, I, you know, I made that statement that we don't often do what we ought to do, but we end up doing what we want to do. And so if what we're doing most of the time is something that's not building us up, strengthening our faith, giving all to God, then that's something we should examine. We should examine and look at our priorities. Look at what we're doing in life, all right? So, yeah, we're too busy, but maybe we should look at that, rethink that. Another thing that we say is can't find what I'm interested in. So all you need to do is let us know. We do our very best. You know, at Valley here, our heart is to let the saints do the work of that. We want to equip saints. So we're raising up leaders. In many ways, we, we function out of the gifts that are represented here. And so sometimes you may be the very one who's to bring that passion, that, that, that gifting, that need to the forefront. And so you say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a preacher, I'm not this, I'm not that. Hey, no big deal. All you need to do is, is identify a passion, something you see as a need. Maybe we can find you a great curriculum out there that will help you find. And then all you have to do is facilitate. Maybe open your home or ask for some space here at Valley. And then study a book of the Bible. Maybe do something together. Maybe you're interested in growing in your prayer life. Um, Maybe it's not happening. Maybe some of these groups are not happening on the nights or times that you're available. Well, then offer us one, and we'll help you out. You're likely to find seven to ten other people that uh, have the very same need and interest. So don't let that hold you back either. Another one, I don't know anybody. And, you know, in a growing church, in a shifting church, that's very, very common. Matter of fact, in, in the church growth circles, Peter Wagner who was one of the foremost teachers in the area of, of, of church growth. I've met the man, spent some time with him. He has since gone to be with the Lord. But when he, he used to think, have these, this book that he wrote. It was on church growth diseases. And one of the church growth diseases was what they called koinonitis. What a fancy word, isn't it? But what it is is when the church becomes so internalized and forgets what, forget what we're called to do, then we, we actually begin to get somewhat diseased spiritually. And we're not doing what God has called us to do. We forget the great mandate. And if we're doing what God has called us to do, then guess what? In my opinion, then you're going to look around and you're going to see some people from time to time that you don't know. And that's a good, healthy thing. Because you know what? That means new opportunities to get to know new friends, to, to make and, and enrich your life with people from sometimes all over the country, even all over the world. And that's a healthy thing. 
And so if you don't know a lot of people, that's, you know, don't let that bother you. Don't let that hold you back. You know, personalities react, react to groups of people differently. You know, we can be shy and maybe we're not real comfortable. I mean, I've definitely had people come to me and say, you know, Valley is just too big of a church for me. So I added another service. I took that excuse away. In other words, to just say, look, you know, okay, we'll break this thing down for you. We'll, we'll make it easier for you to come into a service and not feel like you're being pressed upon. I don't want to go into millions of dollars in debt and build a super worship center that I pay, uh, that we as a church pay for for the next 30 years. Why don't we use what we have, break it down, live within our means? That's the reason for all that, by the way. And then to help us be more comfortable for it. So, so we, we help you do that as well. And so I understand that sometimes that, you know, we like our space. Um, so we help you do that. And uh, so again, in small groups, when it comes to that, if, if that's your situation, well, then a small group works beautifully where you can be a part of a small group of people. You can hang out. You get to, if you have a need to, to have new friendships, boom, here you go. And every small group has its, you know, uh, and, or, or even if you're just saying, well, look, I'd rather just hang out with people that I know at first. Hey, find people you know and say, hey, wh wh what small group are you going to? Because I want to hang out with you, you know? If you find out it's a running marathon group, well, just be the cheer person on the sideline, you know? You don't have to necessarily run. You can do other things. But we've got all kinds of groups. We've got we got study groups. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be leading a, a small group. I call it a small book group, but it's kind of a more of a class. I'm going to be teaching hermeneutics on Tuesday nights. And so we've got lots of different opportunities for you that are engaging and some are less engaging, you know? And we'll help you. So really, we're trying to take away all of the different excuses that we can have sometimes to really help you take that next step. And that's, boom, it's, it's so incredibly important. You know, the early church, when they gathered, they were trying to figure out what the church was going to be. I mean, imagine being there. All that they knew was the synagogue life. All they knew was that spirituality centered around family and at least 10 different families. And then they met, you know, on the Sabbath. And they had all the different traditions that went with that. So the Christians are now thrust into a whole new world, and they can't really identify a meeting on Saturdays because that would be in conflict or even continuing to identify with being Jews. So they thought, well, what are we going to do? And then they realized that all of the, the most important, powerful events that were taking place for Christians were actually taking place on the first of the week, which became their identified day. Not necessarily their replacement Sabbath, by the way. But their identified day for Christians to meet and to celebrate. And so they said, okay, well, let's do that. But then they said, you know, we really like the idea of continuing to meet from house to house. In many ways, it was safer because then they wouldn't be under the focus of the soldiers. In many ways, it was, it was opportunistic because of, of embracing the culture that already existed. So then they thought, but yeah, man, we still love hanging out together as a large group. There's something powerful there. They knew that instinctively as Jews, that the congregation held a definite uh, anointing. Excuse me here. I'm getting all messed up back here. Um, there was something very powerful that happened when they gathered together. So that's what the church did. Just cutting right to the chase. They met from house to house, and they met in the temple. They knew that house to house was a very powerful thing, that they could build relationships, boom, 
They could pray for one another, find out more intimate information so that they could really grow in their relationship. They could talk about the words of Jesus. They could go back and say, how are you engaging the word? Well, this is what I'm doing. It was very powerful. It was needed. It was, it was incredibly important for the growth. And it's something that over the years the church has kind of forgotten. Thankfully, we've, we've embraced it and have for many, many years. But then it's important to meet as they did on the first day of the week in the temple, even though they kind of stayed in their own little corner. And, uh, and from then on was birthed the idea of how the church would gather. So I want to talk a little bit more about small groups and why they're so important. Okay? It's so incredibly important to meet this way. Not only is it because we as a church, as a se- your senior pastor and his elders, have we identified this as a biblical uh, what we would call a a blueprint for spiritual growth. Not only have we identified that uh, strategically, uh, systematically, but we we also believe it is incredibly spiritually important for every single believer. So we kind of just say, okay, let us set the path and and, and, and help Christians move in that direction knowing that it is going to promote spiritual growth in life. So I want to talk about that a little more deeply. So real quickly, number one, small groups are a necessity for personal growth in Christ. Of course, I just said that. But the first thing the early church did after having received the Holy Spirit was meet together from house to house. They saw it as a need. I explained that. And it was a configuration that they continued to move in all throughout the book of Acts. And out of that was birthed churches. The first churches were just little house groups of believers gathering together. And then eventually... The apostles came in to help set some, some, uh, uh, some structure to help the church uh, maintain its accountability to grow, to embrace the word, to protect the truth so that they weren't preaching strange doctrines, which, of course, uh, were very easily to begin, easy to begin embracing. And Jesus showed us this concept of the small group by example when he started with 12 men. And what we have found sociologically since that time is that a group of people from about 10 to 15 is the perfect connection size. In other words, any more than 15 people, it begins to break down, and you become what was actually called a congregation. And so what happens is it's kind of like the way a cell works in life, is it grows, it grows, it grows, and then it gets to a point where it has to divide and then continue to grow. And so about 15 people, that's about as much as you can have across communication any bigger than that, then it's hard for people to connect. It's hard for them to feel unified. As we're all sitting here, you're all facing the front. There are going to be some people in this section. You're not going to say hello to the people in this section. You're just not going to. But don't let that be a discouragement to you. Don't let that, because that's not the purpose of what we're doing here today. What we're doing here today is celebration, is listen to the Word of God, to work to rejoice together in worship and to take and hear vision and hear heart and hear uh, the word of God from a man who's dedicated his life to doing that. That's what this is all about. But the small group allows us to follow in a scriptural mandate to focus on our own personal growth. And you ever noticed, of course I'm going to get ahead of myself, let me just go ahead and jump to point two here. Number two, small groups help us meet the need for friendships. Touched on that a little bit. Relationships 
are a necessary aspect of personal growth. They absolutely are. From a scientific point of view, psychologically, the more friends you have, the, the healthier you are on the inside. That's interesting, isn't it? And, you know, you don't like to talk about that much, but at the same time, it's something we shouldn't ignore. In other words, the more people we let into our life to speak into us, that have a chance to challenge us sometimes, because left to ourselves, we can come up with some strange things. I mean, just read Facebook for just 15 minutes. I mean, we can become a little odd, and we can also begin to take Scripture and kind of form it. Instead of letting Scripture form us, we try to form it. And, and that's why personal relationships are so important, because then we begin to see lives, other lives, in the context of truth. And when we can actually just say, you know what, wow, it doesn't work that way in them. It doesn't work that way every single time. So it begins to challenge the way we see Scripture applying to us. We get a broader understanding. We begin to see truth. Matter of fact, grace becomes something incredibly uh, more understood in the context of these friendships that we build. It creates a healthy in, uh, uh, opportunity for each one of us. We can begin <clears throat> to build a family that goes beyond just you know, blood. I've said this from the pulpit, I'll say it again. Some of the people in my life that I've been closest to, you know, to be honest with you, are even closer than family. I would call them family, even though we didn't grow up in the same home. I mean, there are men in my life that are like fathers. And that's, that doesn't disrespect my father. Matter of fact, it's good. Paul said that. You know, you, you've got many fathers, and that's a good thing. I love having three pastors, because not that I can go to one and try to manipulate, like, you know, the spoiled little kid and say, well, he didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. Let me go to the other dad. No. Matter of fact, it's just a lot of times it's a matter of availability. I call one guy. Well, he's, he's, he's overseas. I can't get to him. Rats. I can get on the phone and call another guy, and he is accessible. So having people in our lives is it's critically important to helping us grow and, and building those friendships, which are a healthy, healthy thing. Being a part of a large church doesn't mean you have to befriend everyone. And there's that, that pressure sometimes. Well, I can't be a part of a church where I don't know everybody. Well, I mean, that, that's an unrealistic expectation, okay? Because that's not the way the church is called to be. The church is called for us to be able to hive off, if you will, and develop interest groups and where we hang with people that we can take time to develop. Matter of fact, when you get yourself too spread out, then you never take time to really get to know anyone intimately. And sometimes that can be a problem, which is why small groups are critical, even in a large growing church, to give us that opportunity. Number three, small groups help us meet the need for involvement. We love to do, but we would rather do with someone we know and enjoy being with. If misery likes company, then success must really adore it. Okay, so being together and doing things together is, is, is a lot better. I mean, you can take a really tough job. Man, I remember when I was a teenager, I was working on this horse, uh, horse ranch down in Paris, Tennessee. Anybody know where that Paris Landing, Tennessee? You may not have any idea where, that, what, where it is. And to be honest with you, 
you don't need to concern yourself with it because there isn't much there. But anyway, I, I remember I was working on this farm for a whole summer, and I remember the, the rancher took me, and he just said, come. He never told me what I was going to do for the day, but anyway, he t- put me in his flatbed truck, and he had, a, he had a, uh, a, a chainsaw, and he had some other tools, threw it in the back, and he took me out in the middle of nowhere and dropped me off, and he said, okay, you see that, that fence line or where a fence line was going to be? You just keep going. I want you to put a post in, uh, dig a hole. So it was a post hole digger and a chainsaw, and there were, the, the posts were already there. So dig a hole wherever post is, chop it off to make sure it's exactly the same height all along, and I'll come and get you when it gets dark. Oh, that was interesting. It was a job, and I would have loved it if there had been another guy there with me because then it would have gone by a lot faster. But that was one lonely, hard job. So we, there are going to be things in this life that are difficult, and, we're going to ho- and, and they're going to be a whole lot more enjoyable if we can, we can pull together and feel like we're being held up and strengthened in prayer. You know, it's so important. And so when it comes to the kingdom of God, you know, we talk about these talents that God has given us, the things that God has given us purpose. I mean, so a lot of times we walk around and say, well, I really feel like God has called me to do this. Well, the first thing you need to do is find some other believers who are called to do the same thing. Because then you can do it together. Then there's strength in numbers. You can grow. They might know a little bit more than you. And that's the thing. It's really, really important. We enrich our lives by not only serving, but serving with others. So, you know, I... I'll just shoot this out there. I don't know where I was going to share this, but I want to insert that right here, that Lone Rangers scare me, to be honest. So when somebody comes to me and just says, well, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a, and I'm not connected with a lot of people. I come and go in and out of churches, and I kind of share my ideas, and, and then I go. And I, that kind of scares me, to be honest, because one, I don't see a check and balance in their life, and number two, I want to just say lovingly, who made you the judge? You know, you're, you're walking around telling everybody else how to do it, but you don't show us what you're doing, and you're not doing that among us. And that's important. Because of all the qualities in the Bible, humility is the most important. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I don't know about you, but I need a lot of grace. A lot of grace. And it's in that context, again, that we, we rise up with a lot of passion to say, I want to do something for God. But if we just say, well, but I'd rather do it by myself, that's not a healthy thing is all I'm saying. And where two, one can put to flight 1,000, right? Two can put to flight 10,000. Finding someone that you can do that with, that you join heart with, is much more. It's, 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 Jesus said, I'll show up where there are two or three of you together. By yourself, it kind of tells you a little something, doesn't it? Not to say that God is not with us when we're by ourselves. He certainly is. He indwells us by the Holy Spirit. But there is an... So he does say in the Scripture that one can put to flight a thousand. So that's good. Better than nothing. But it's exponentially better for us to connect with others to use our gifts. Jesus sent out the 72, didn't he? And what did he send them out? In what form? Two by two. And there was a reason for that. For them to have the accountability... When one is weak, another is strong. You know, Andrea and I notice that even in our marriage sometimes, that it, it's interesting that we both go through cycles in life and, you know, that sometimes when she's feeling down, I'm feeling, you know, zippity doo 
And it's at that time that I, I shouldn't just say, well, what's wrong with you? I should go to her and just say, honey, let me help you. Let me help you up. Let me pray with you. You know? It's when we're both down that things get really rough. But that's not usually the, the way it works. Sometimes, you know, you work with that. So it's really, so I could see why Jesus would send them out two by two if one was feeling discouraged. Well, that didn't really work out. The other one said, hey, let's, let's shine on that. Let's go to the next town. Let's just keep moving on. It's empower. And, and, you know, we can go even deeper than that. I mean, just think of some of the closest friendships you've ever had. I had a buddy who's since gone on to be with the Lord, but I tell you what, we, when we were together, I saw the exponential principle always at play. Most of the time, when before, we didn't, before, we, uh, before we knew Christ, it was all very, very bad. Exponentially, we did bad a lot better, better together than we ever did on our own. And I used to tell him, and I'd say, man, dude, you bring out the worst in me. Hey, you're my good buddy. How about that? Because, see, the principle works in both directions. So, again, we're two or three together, Matthew 18. He says, there I am in the midst of you. There's a, a commanded blessing. There's something really good that happens through uni unified believers coming together. And so we're just setting the stage for that. We're giving the opportunity to create those kinds of things. Again, which is why marriage is so incredib incredibly powerful thing. This should always be defended and fought for. Number four, small groups set the stage for discipleship. Jesus set the example when he gathered those disciples, to, those 12 disciples together, and he used the perfect formation to begin to pour into their lives and prepare them to be world changers. See, we've got to also take personal responsibility for our personal Christian growth. The truth is, Jesus said, follow me, but they had to choose to follow, didn't they? He didn't say that Jesus came and used his mojo to enslave their mind and force them to follow. He didn't say, you will now follow me like a Jedi, you know, you follow me. He didn't do that. He said, follow me. And they said, you know what? Of course, he knew. It probably had just prayed, you know what? I'm so sick and tired of fishing. I want to have some meaning in my life. I want to do something that's changing the world. Then this guy walks up and says, hey, you want to become a fisher of men? Hey, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. And dropped the nets and followed. The truth is, God wants us to grow, and we've got to take personal responsibility for that growth. When we sit around and just wait for God to grow us, it's not likely going to happen. I'm not saying it won't happen some. It's like having a plant in the shade. It's going to grow some if you water it, but put it in the sun, and man, watch it take off. Get the nutrients just right, and the minerals in the soil. Get the pH balance right. Watch it take off. That's your spirit. That's your soul. That when you put yourself and make that choice to put yourself in, in an environment where you can thrive, then you will thrive. And discipleship and see, some people run from discipleship. They, they see that word and it's just like, oh my gosh, no, no, no. I don't want any of that. Because what we think of is that somebody walk into our life and say, okay, I want you to confess every sin you've done for the last three days, starting now. I got time. That, that makes us afraid. That makes us feel like, well, I'm going to be exposed. I'm going to have to live my life out in front of everyone. And I'm going to have to, that, that, that this is going to be uncomfortable the whole time. And, and, you know, we tend to be like Adam, heading for the, the bushes. 
when it comes to our life. But discipleship is not that. Discipleship, you know, only, it only gets to that stage when you've really developed, you know, the kind of trust and love and connection with another person where you can do that freely and know you're loved and accepted and know that it's just like, look, we go forward. Failure is not fatal. It's an opportunity for continued growth. And so that's really what discipleship is all about. It's what we teach our leaders. It is what we make sure our leaders believe in and communicate and, uh, and walk in. No one can make us grow, again, except God, but he does require our cooperation. You have to grab a hold of opportunity. Didn't Paul say that? Paul said, I grab a hold of that which he's grabbed a hold of me for. He knocked me off my pony. He blinded me, pulled me aside, and said, guess what, i got a plan for you. But Paul, from there on out, of course, we know he took about 9 to 11 years to go off and, and figure out what on earth happened, then came out of it punching pretty hard, changed the world. Had to embrace it. There is a special presence of God when we gather in this way. It's life-changing. As I write in here, lone rangers tend to develop a bad habit of judging the Christians and the church from a very narrow view of how the church should work and how Christians should act. It's not healthy, okay? It's like a person who's never been married judging a married couple. I'm sorry. Or a person who's never had any children trying to tell me how to raise my kids. Uh, Excuse me. I'm not going to slap you, but I will tell you, can I send my seven-year-old over to your house for about a week? (laughs) Then you'll have a clue. I'll have him bring his Legos with him. Because then you'll get it. You'll get it all. Anyway, all right, number five. Small groups create an environment to get your needs met. Okay, get your own personal needs met. Because, hey, God doesn't ignore that. There are felt needs. There are real needs. Those are the ones we don't always spend the most time on. But then there are felt needs. And those are the ones that, you know, I like watching football from time to time. You know, I'm a, I'm a man and I like manly stuff. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not going to apologize for that. But the truth is, I like to hang. Sometimes it's important I'm to say, honey, I'm, I love you, my little red-haired wonder. But I need to go hang with some guys for a while. Need to go shoot some stuff, right? Jason? I mean, I got to go out and set some things on fire. I mean, just got to do it. That's why we had the, we left, we let Jamie be in charge of what we're going to do. And of course, what does Jamie do? We're going to have a bonfire, man. I saw the look in his eyes. I'm like, okay, okay, good, buddy. Well, let's just set something on fire. But we got needs. First Corinthians 12, seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good, encouragement, healing, counsel, help. All of these things are in us, sometimes in abundance, sometimes in creative ways. There are times when I just, you know, hanging with some guys, I may, I may look at a guy who, who doesn't necessarily come on the top of the list of the most spiritual men I know, but if I sit down and have a, a simple conversation with them over coffee or, or whatever, man, they feed me. It's like, man, I like your outlook on life. There, you've got something that really just fed me. You know, I look around and I see, and I look at a lot of faces, and I, so I don't want to start this because, uh, I mean, my heart goes out to many of you that in the time that I've talked to you, how you have impacted me that way. 
you know, just a little encouragement here and there. It's, it's amazing. And, and if we shortchange ourselves and not involve ourselves with other people, man, just multiply that in the context of a small group. And I just love it when a small group gets together and then I can't make them leave because they're just hanging out. It's just like, hey, Pastor David, I tell you, well, we'll turn the lights off. It's fine. You, get, you and Andrew are going to bed, you know. The old Saturday Night Live skit, you know, the guests who wouldn't go home. But anyway, we've got the encouragement, the healing, the counsel, the help. All of that is in us. And that's where we're going to find it. If we're going to go mining for the treasure, guess what? He played a little trick on you. He put it in other people. He didn't put it all in you. And that's a good thing, but it's a harder thing especially if you're a person. Now, if you've got a sanguine personality, you're back there going, yes, man. I mean, it's all about people. But then not every personality sees it that way. I understand. I get it. But there are a lot of our needs that will not be met unless we engage with other people who are carrying the treasure that we need. Valley operates in a major, and I say major, paradigm, paradigm shift of philosophy of ministry. We do not believe that Sunday mornings are the only place to get your spiritual needs met. Just let that sit there for a moment. Because there is that philosophy where it's all about Sunday. And that's fine. And and we try to make and squeeze as much life out of Sunday as we possibly can. But it's not the only thing. Okay? They are a part, you know, the Sunday morning activities. But using your spiritual gifts to minister to others and serve in small groups, is a major key to spiritual growth because we can't do that on Sunday mornings. We come, we face the front, you listen, you worship, but a lot of you just hit that door because you've got things you've got to do. And I understand that. I get it. You know, you've got to get in the front of that buffet line. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Did I say that? But anyway. <laughs> Please forgive me. But, you know, it's, it's a good thing to hang around. And that's okay. Hanging around after service is a good thing. If you, you know, because I know we've got busy schedules, got work, we've got people got to run off to soccer games and baseball games and all this kind of stuff. It's happening. I understand. But so if that, you can't get that, well, then find your small group. Find where you can build those relationships and let those spiritual gifts. Because, see, that's, we believe that. That if you, if you have the mentality, if the church has the mentality that you have one spiritually gifted man who feeds everybody else, then what we create is a very uh, weak church. Because, see, that's not what we're called to do. That's not my job. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and, 11 and 12 is my job description. It's right there in the Bible. He gives pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. My job is to equip you. My job, and equip, I could do a whole series on equip, but that means to teach you, teach you how, do the Jesus method, which is, okay, I do it, you watch. I let you do it, I watch. Then I just say, now go do it. That's, that's, that's biblical, and it's powerful. And that's the way it changed. I mean, yesterday I got an email from somebody who said, look, can we lead a prayer, a prayer march and give away things about, uh, about a ministry ha- you know, in Weldon? Can we do that? And I'm like, uh, yes. Why would I say, no, I'm not available? 
as controlling and crazy. Let's let the church be the, be the church. Now, if you want to go stand on top of a building and uh, you know, shout curses down on people in the name of Jesus, I might say not a good idea. But apart from those things, what we like to say is it's 99% yes. Occasionally, there's a 1% no. And even then, we're going to help you discover why that's a no. And maybe let's shift it to making it a yes. And we're not the only church to discover this. We don't certainly, we're not. But we do belong to a network of hundreds of churches across our country and the world that have embraced this philosophy of ministry and worked tirelessly to help believers be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And then finally, small groups are a natural path to accountability. I've already hit on that, but I'll just say it kind of a little bit further. There are three particular verses that are very powerful. You can look at them. I'll just read them here together as one sentence. We're supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. A submission to one another is what does develop the kind of humility that becomes a magnet for the grace and change of God. As we submit to one another, we actually create a magnetism that draws the favor and love of God. It does. It just does. Peter tells us that. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Remaining humble and need, needy in, in relationships is, is really key to that. Um, and then he says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, sisterly love. Devoted. That's a strong word, isn't it? That means you've got to have time. I can't be devoted to anyone unless I know you, and unless we've had a chance to get to know one another. You know, you just can't. But when you begin to develop a devotion, I was telling somebody the other day that there are people in my life that if they called me at 1 o'clock in the morning, I'd say, look, can't we talk at 8 tomorrow? But then there are other people that call me, it's like, I'm over there. There. Done. Got to go. Brother, sister in the Lord, closeness. They have done so much for me, I could never, ever repay them. They're going to get it every bit. And then, of course, there are situations that I'm going to just do because that's what I'm called to do, and it's my job as a pastor. But I'm just talking about my heart here. I'm just talking about a devotion that can only grow in the context of brotherly love. And that's only created an environment where you can sit down together, share hearts, see all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and still accept one another in the midst of all of that. And then the last verse is, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. He says, let us consider that. You know, that is my philosophy, is that God said, go and make disciples. He did not tell us exactly how to do that. I wish he did in some ways. But he just said, look, be creative. Embrace the culture. Find out what, how it works. You know? Small groups work in certain cultures a whole letter, lot better than Americans because we're so doggone busy. You go to Africa, where about there's 50 to 60% unemployment. Some of the largest small group churches in the world are there, and they're effective and they're powerful, but it's because there's a lot more availability. In America, we have to fight for this thing because, again, our culture demands that we're always moving, always going, always driving, always, always, always. And we've got to learn to change that. Even if we're the sole 
trout swimming up the pond, up the, up, up the river, against the tide. Got to fight for it. Because we can become a casualty. We can become just like all the other fish going down the river, never changing, never fulfilling, never becoming what God has called us to be. And so we want to give you that chance. I don't want to guilt you into this. I want, to exo- I want to exhort you. And that's a better Bible word. That means encourage you with a little edge. It means a coach who says, who grabs you by the face mask and says, do you really want to play? Because I love you and you've been on this team and we've been suffering and sweating together for months and now today you don't show up? Let me reach down and get the want to because I know it's in there. It's just maybe you're afraid, maybe you're worn out, maybe you're tired, maybe you're overwhelmed. That's okay. Sometimes we get that way. But you know what, folks? Some of the greatest change in my life has come from people who've gotten in my stuff and said, David, you don't fool me. You don't fool me. You're you're feigning weakness when all you're really trying to do is hide the fact that you're dealing with the, the, I don't want to. That's where the Holy Spirit gets in there and tweaks that. He goes after it. And, say, and it's sometimes we, he, he, God wants to give the carrot and say, look, tell you what, we can't fix the problem until you just step over the top of the problem and just keep moving on. Because the things you will gain through obedience, things that you will gain through spiritual discipline will help fix the problem in the first place. That's good stuff, isn't it? You can say amen. That's okay. We do that here at Valley. All right, let's stand up this morning. Let's pray. I hope I've had a chance to just reach inside you and encourage you and exhort you a little bit. Tonight, we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to sign up. We're going to get involved. We're going to jump in. We're going to get this process started. And man, the good things are going to come. Lord, we come to you this morning, God. We love you. Because, Lord, we know we don't have to be convinced of your love. You sent your only begotten Son. You you so love the world and you so love us that you made it even possible for us to even comprehend the concept of a living God. Because there's so many who deny it, hate it, militantly, aggressively against it. But hear us today, God. Our hearts are illumined. We are aware of you. You've given us the privilege of hearing the gospel message. And we're blessed, Lord, to know that our hearts were open to it and we said yes. So now we belong to you. Lord, engaged, married, joined at the hip forever and ever. And we're going to live with you forever and ever and just the ultimate joy and peace. But here on this earth, Lord, we're growing, we're learning. Lord, we know that you've put us in a place where, God, where we've, we've got to engage with one another. You've placed it, you've, you've set it up that way. So God, help us to push past our fears. God, help us to push past, Lord, our busyness. Lord, help us to push past, God, some of our stubbornness. And Lord, get to the, to the thing that will change us the most. Lord, so many of us do experience and and understand discipline on different levels. But Lord, let us grow in this discipline. 
the one that has the most far-reaching impact. Let it be more than just a discipline, Lord. Let it be a conviction. Let it be a lifestyle. So, Lord, help us. God, I'm grateful, God, that you're here with us today, Lord, moving in our hearts. Lord, you're going to continue, Father, in this coming year, God, to pursue us, equip us, and provide those opportunities. And I pray, God, that anyone in this room today that, Lord, is yet to be convinced, Lord, give them a special opportunity to see. Lord, a special showing, if you will. Lord, of the kingdom of God and how it operates right here. And that they would just kind of smile and just say, wow, I see it. So, Lord, lead us now. Teach us. And while we're praying, if you're here today, and if you're not for certain that if you died tonight to go to heaven, you know what? You can know. At the end of the service, if I could have the prayer teams, please come at this time. If you would like prayer and you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Christ, please come down. We have something for you, a packet of information that'll help you take your next step. The rest of us, God, we're grateful. Bless us and keep us as we go now. In Jesus' name, amen.